Girlfriend, here is your show. Girlfriended, your chance to connect with other women, especially the woman that is most overlooked, yourself. Girlfriended is all about helping you become self-aware, not self-involved. The aim is to provide information that relates to life, which leads to real connections and results in a desire to connect or care for those in need. And now the women want to help you in more ways than you can count every day. From the website, GirlfriendIt.com, and the movement, GirlfriendIt, here are Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan on Toginet.com. All right, so Lisa, I have a question. How do you live a life regret-free? Well, I think if you want to live a life regret-free, you basically don't do anything. (laughs) Um, And by anything, I mean you don't risk, you don't take risks, yeah, you quit dreaming. Um, you don't live as a person with a vision. Um, you don't have passion. Um, I think basically you do nothing. You just do nothing. You turn into this apathetic robot kind of living through life. And we wouldn't do well with that. I, I, Not I at all. know that. Not at all. Okay, before we get too far into our show, talking about no regrets, how do you live like that? And we're so excited about our first guest. We want to remind everyone, you are listening to Girlfriend at Radio with Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan, where we rally you to do the remarkable through resources and relationships. And we're going to have more information about today's show and other tips and tricks on our website at girlfriendit.com. And you can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Well, speaking of no regrets, we have the no regrets woman as our guest here on the show, and that is Rhonda Stop. And she has 20 years of experience uh, as a marriage mentor, pastor's wife, author, and speaker. She leads women of all ages to live lives of no regrets. And using sound biblical teaching through humor and honest communication, Rhonda teaches women how to apply God's word to live boldly through the power of the Holy Spirit. And Rhonda is the author of this latest book, um, uh, If My Husband Would Change, and how many of us have said that, I'd Be Happy and Other Myths Wives Believe. And that wasn't the whole title. I think I ad-libbed on that. But she also has a book out there on how to apply God's word by um, author, I'm sorry, by Moms Raising Sons to Be Men. And this has mentored thousands of moms uh, across the world in guiding them once again to a no regrets life. So Rhonda, you live in California, so I'm sure you're you're probably uh, talking to us from the beach. So how are you today? Actually, (laughs) good morning. I'm talking to you from the mountains. I'm Ah, above the beach. (laughs) Well, Lisa's in the mountains right now as well. So uh, you you guys can brag about the cool weather and all that fun stuff. (laughs) And it's 9 a.m. here, so I'm drinking coffee to find my wake-up voice. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you're doing very well. Your wake-up voice sounds really, really great. (laughs) Well, thank you. We are just excited about because, you know, you've written these books. And, you know, as you talk to women and of all ages, like especially the newly married to those that have been married for several years, um, you know, marriage is a big issue. It's a big deal. And how do we want the best out of our relationships and our marriages? And that seems to be an area where um, there seems to be a lot of challenges. And a lot of times that's put on because there's, there's these cultural expectations or these expectations from, you know, other things. And women just feel like, I can't be that perfect wife. I, I don't even know what she looks like. Um, so you've written some books. And then even, um, you know, Patty and I are both the moms of sons. And so just how do you 
help raise those sons. So can you tell us a little bit about the inspiration behind your book, If My Husband Would Change, I'd Be Happy, and talk about some of the other myths that wives believe? I would love to. My husband is a pastor. He was a youth pastor for 18 years. He's been a senior pastor for 17. And you're right. Marriage is an issue that touches us deeply because we've all watched those happily ever after Cinderella stories, and we are confident that we married the prince. And then one day down the line, women wake up and they're like, I, I think I married Dopey. I thought it was, or Sneezy, and I, it wasn't the prince. And they look to their husband and they feel let down. And one of the most damaging things to our relationship is when unexpected um, uh, expectations have not been met. And so my husband, when we can finally get a couple to come into his office for counseling, more often than not, the wife is secretly thinking, oh, good, we're going to change him and I'm going to be happy. And so that is where the inspiration for this title came. Uh, I think as a new wife, when I got married, I, man, head over heels for my man. We got married in the 80s. I walked down the aisle with this huge white hat veil thing that I so regret. <laughs> but at the time, we it was do. awesome, right? And, no, mine was kind of cowboy hat looking because it was that time of year. <laughs> and I walked down the aisle, and my husband had on his white tux and tails and his white cowboy boots, and he looked great. But I knew the wife I meant to be. I knew the wife I longed to be. And we went on this amazing honeymoon. And I tell the very first chapter I talk about our honeymoon when we went to Yellowstone. And there's a fun story, lots of fun stories in there. But after we got home and we both worked full time and I was, you know, doing his laundry. He was in construction back then. And I was keeping the house clean. I remember thinking, man, Saturdays used to be about dating and going and doing fun stuff, and now it's just, it seems like life is just about work. And I'd hear my husband out in the garage working on my car with his brother laughing, and all of a sudden those little, those little resentments start to build up. You know, well, he's having fun and I'm not. And it scared me because I come from a long line of broken marriages. And I was wise enough at that young age to know it started with those little resentments. And I remember uh, looking around. My husband and I worked with teenagers, and I was like, I need, to, I need help. And I looked around at marriages within our church, those marriages, you know, that you want to emulate, those ones that they're still holding hands when they're walking into church, the husband's not walking five steps ahead of the family, and you see him reach over, put his arm around her. I'm like, I want to know what they know. So I made friends with these older women, and I attached myself to them. You know, Titus 2 calls the older women to teach the younger how to love their husbands and their children. And I am confident that my friendship with these women who were vulnerable, who were genuine, who were real with me, are what transformed my marriage and my parenting. And that is why I write the books that I write. I am just a Titus II woman. I get to talk the way that I talk. It's, you know, I meet women all the time. They're like, yeah, but I'm not a reader. I'm like, okay, hang on. You read Facebook all day long. You're a reader. We've established that. You just don't want to read a book. So I write as if you were just hanging out with me over a cup of coffee. And anyone who reads my books that knows me says, Rhonda, your voice is in my head. I hear you talking. And I'm like, then my goal has been accomplished. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, Rhonda, you had me at white boots. That made me laugh <laughs> really hard. <laughs> And I, and I hope you have pictures. Oh, I do. My husband hides them, but I have them. <laughs> white tux and white boots. That was, that was an awesome image there. No, no, white tux but, with tails and boots. 
yes, absolutely. I will tell you the white tux and tails is coming back in a little bit for these kids going to the prom, which is making me making me laugh. But uh, I, you know, you you just created so many uh, emotions that I was thinking the same thing of, of my first year of marriage because you you do you come out of I came out of a college where you know you're staying up all night long you're doing these you know crazy fun things and I I started in the airline industry which was like a big sorority fraternity house type thing where you're going on these you know going to Hawaii and you're staying up with your crew members and you're just having fun and uh yeah coming home to uh, get, getting married to my husband, and then he wanted to go to bed at nine o'clock at night because he got up so early in the morning to work out and then get to work. And you, it, it's it kind of just is a mind blow. Like you can't get past. Well, wait. I thought we were going to continue in this just fun, 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 fun. You know, right. until our daddy takes the T bird away type. Thing. <laughs> and reality hits. So you. Your tip is to surround yourself with this support group of people that can breathe into you. So for our listeners out there that are, that are going through this right now, where, you know, they've planned their wedding, they've had their wedding, and now they're into that marriage, what would you say is the first thing to, to, to put your mindset in? The first thing that we have to realize is that God created us to find our worth and our happiness in relationship. He created us to find out who we are within relationship. The problem is the relationship he created us to find that in is our relationship with him. And in the garden, when Adam and Eve ate of that fruit, sin stole away our passion for our Creator. And if you you know look at the story, Adam and Eve are hanging out, running around naked, having a great old time in the garden. She eats a piece of the fruit. She offers it to her husband. And then where do we find them? Hiding from God. And he comes to walk with them in the cool of the day. And he, you know, hey, where are you? Of course, God knew they were hiding. He wanted them to realize they were hiding. And he reached out to them. And Adam says, you know, well, it's not my fault. It's this woman you gave me. So in, two, in one fell swoop, he, he blamed God and the woman for his sin. And, and that's what happens. When we are not walking in a love relationship with our Creator, when we are not, number one, having a personal relationship with him that is through Jesus Christ. And I can talk all day long about how to build a no-regrets marriage, but if you miss the purpose for which you created, which is to know Christ and make him known in this generation, then you will have missed the purpose for your life, and you will glom on to another human being to fill the void that God says only he can fill. And in one instance, Adam and Eve, their marriage, they turned on each other when their intimacy with their creator was broken. And we can learn so much from that. If I'm not pursuing my love relationship with the king of my heart for all that I'm worth, loving him with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, that's the priority of life, what Jesus said. And when I am falling in love with him more and more every day, then what spills out of me is the second commandment to love my neighbor as myself. I can't even love my husband or you or my kids properly unless I'm loving God the way he's called me to. I'll turn to them. I'll suck the life out of them. I'll expect them. I'll put them on an idol, and they will let me down. And then I'll start looking around for somebody else, or I'll just resent them that they didn't measure up to my expectation. Mm. And, you know, Rhonda, I, I love that because if we're not craving Jesus, and if that's not obviously our our number one goal in life, then you're just 
failing all over the place and you do have those high expectations on your husband. I know Lisa and I, we're, we're going on to, I don't know, our 16th year of our, of our friendship. We've, we've definitely moved past the the honeymoon stage. Wow. That took a nasty turn. (laughs) I think you guys should buy each other a gift. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I wonder what the 16th year is on the anniversary thing, but anyway, we, uh, we, we laugh because, um, uh, you know what, as a matter of fact, I think we're getting, going to go into a break real quick. So, uh, we will continue to laugh. I was, I was saved by the bell on that one. (laughs) No, and I'm coming back right after this break. We're going to finish this story. We'll be right back. This is Girlfriended on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. My husband and I were in youth ministry and knew nothing about church planning. But as we felt God leading us to start a new church, we were connected with Stadia. They gave us coaching and personal care, giving us the confidence that we needed. They even have a ministry called Bloom that's designed to support me as a lead planner spouse. We now lead a church in Cleveland, Ohio that's transforming lives, and we couldn't have done it without Stadia. Stadia plants churches that intentionally care for children. We won't stop until every child has a church. For more information, go to stadia.cc. It's merging And you wiggle your ears? Studies suggest that only 10 to 20% of humans are able to wiggle their ears. That's pretty ostrobogulous. Ostrobogulous is another word for bizarre or unusual. Of course, many animals have the ability to independently turn their ears in the direction of a sound by using their auricular muscles. In humans, ear wiggling is thought to be more of a vestigial feature, meaning it was once a useful trait of our ancient ancestors, but not needed anymore. Some people can't stop wiggling their ears. This rare moving ear syndrome is known as dyskinesia. This can be a pretty embarrassing condition, especially if you are macrotus or have big ears. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio, a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Yes, we are back with our guest, Rhonda Stopp, who is the author of If My Husband Would Change, I'd Be Happy and Other Myths Wives Believe. And Rhonda, I was just getting ready to, Lisa thinks I'm going to throw her under the bus, so she's she's nervous here, but um, <laughs> I'm not at all, Lisa. I am just saying 
when we first started doing conferences and, and sharing with, with women that you need the support groups, you need each other, those relationships are so significant. It was, it was really interesting because so many women would come up to us and say, my husband is my best friend. Like, I don't need these other, you know, the women in my life and my, my husband will get upset if I go out for an evening because there's so many things that I need to do at home with the kids. And we were just saying how significant that time is to cut that little space out of your life because then it makes you not so needy to always expect, you know, your husband to be able to listen to your 5,000 words every day when he only (laughs) needs a couple thousand. And you know, just so many of those stories. And we were really blown away about from how many women would say that to us. Like you need God's first and then your husband and this other stuff doesn't matter for this season of your life. And I, I, I'm just curious if you have come across that as well. Well, it's not your idea or mine. It's God's idea. He's the one who said, hey, old ladies know stuff make friends with old ladies, tied as two women, they know how to teach. And i got to say, when you make friends with older women that have walked the path ahead of you, that is the journeyman. You are the apprentice. And you need to find women whose eyes are set on eternity, who are understanding that they are storing up treasures in heaven, that I don't know about you, but I teach more passionately from my failures than I do from my successes. And we learn all of this. We get one shot at it, one shot at the marriage, one shot at raising the kids. And then we turn around and we're like, okay, I've learned so much. And then what happens? Women that are my age, I'm 55 years old, um, go collect seashells by the seashore, or they move on to their next husband because the kids are gone and it's me time now or whatever, mm-hmm. and we forsake. It is not a suggestion by God. It is a calling that the Lord has put on the older women's life. It's a mandate, if you will. And so I, I speak at MOPS things and women's events all over the nation, and women come up to me and they always tell me there are no older women in my life. There's no one that will take the time to spend time with me. And for so many, they came from marriages that their mom and dad maybe didn't have a marriage they wanted to emulate, or maybe their mom was a single mom or whatever. They're aching and they're longing. So if you're an older woman out there, and I got to say, wherever you find yourself, you're older than somebody else. And wherever you find yourself, ask the Lord, do you want me to be someone that shares what you have taught me with a younger woman? And the books, the Moms Raising Sons to Even, the If My Husband Would Change, I'd Be Happy, and Other Myths Wives Believe, longest title on the planet. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it has in the back of each chapter a, a thinking it through and living it out section. And what I love about that is you can use it for your own personal quiet time to apply it. You know, what did you learn about? There's tons of love stories in um, If My Husband Would Change, I'd Be Happy. And what did you learn from that love story? And how can you apply that to your life? And uh, But it's also a great way to, to mentor someone. In fact, I'm taking my Sunday school class through that book right now so that I can t- mentor a ton of girls all at one time. Uh, but it's it's a, a tool because I think what I found when I first became a, a senior pastor wife in youth ministry, I kind of knew how to mentor those young girls. But in adult ministries, women would kind of like meet me for coffee, dump on me how hard their life is, give me a hug and walk out the door. And I'm like, 
I'm not sure how helpful any of that was. <laughs> and so it's a good resource to say, okay, I'd love to spend some time with you, but let's read this book together. Can you read a chapter? You can't? Okay, let's read four pages. You read it. I'll read it. When we get back together, we'll talk about those four pages. And then when you meet with that young woman, if she's not done the reading, instead of saying, oh, well, next time, let's just talk then, read it with them. Or mm-hmm. touch base with them before you meet with them and say, okay, well, if you haven't read your pages, let's wait till you do, and then let's meet. Because what I found, I was getting burned out. I was getting um, exhausted by hearing all of the struggles that women were dealing with, but not feeling like anything good was coming out of our conversation. So if you want the people who seriously want to be mentored, if you give them a little homework assignment and they do it, then pour your life into those people. Mm-hmm. And that's so true because it, you can get, it gets you exhausted if they're not willing to put the effort into it to, to be mentored, it, if they don't value it when you're giving your time and sharing. And so it, it needs to be mutual, you know, back to the whole mentoring thing. I, you know, you're absolutely right. And what's, what's been kind of sad for me a little bit is, uh, you, and, and Patty and I've talked about this from the beginning. It's like that word mentor, I think trips a lot of people up and women up and it sounds kind of heavy and I, I'm not a mentor and you know, women don't see themselves in that light a lot of times. And what do I do as a mentor and who am I to mentor somebody? I'm looking at my own life and I don't have it all together, but yet, like you said, call to do it. And just, you know, even speaking from here's what I did and it, you know, it didn't go so well, but here's what I learned through it, you know, just be willing to share that. But you know, it's, it's interesting because uh, when my daughter um, she's now, you know, almost 30, but when she was just coming out of, of college and, you know, I kind of, I said, you know, she was looking for a mentor and, and she and I have a really great relationship, but I thought it'd be good for somebody else or, you know, that was kind of in the Bible teaching. She wanted somebody. And so she asked a, a woman, um, that was like a Bible teacher and, um, that she really kind of respected. And she asked her if she would, you know, mentor in this and, the woman kind of blew her off and said no. And, um, and it, and she, cause she just, I think she felt an, I don't know why, you know what I mean? And I was kind of dumbfounded and my daughter was wounded, you know, yeah. mm-hmm. a little bit. And, and it's, it's sad. Cause I think, think we realize it's like these younger women are looking for role models and, and other, you know, and women to speak into their lives in different ways, you know? And I was encouraged that like, Here's a Bible teacher. My daughter loved learning like that. I'm like, that would be a good to have another voice in your life too, you know? Um, but I think a lot of women don't see themselves as mentors. So if we well, can even and- break that down and go, they're gonna, you're going to learn things from them too. It's not just a one-sided because they're going to bring the youthfulness and different things into your life as well. But can you address that? And do you see that? Well, even as you mentioned that, I had a, a twinge of, of conviction in my own heart of a woman that asked me, hey, can we hang out and can we spend some time because I really want to learn from you? And I said yes, and I never followed up with it because I was so busy. And and even as you said that, it's like this, oh, man, I let somebody down because I was too busy. And I will say mm-hmm. it was someone in our church because I, I firmly believe that if you're not a part of a local church, if you're just getting tidbits from podcasts and blogs and watching something on, on your YouTube stream, you're missing the place to belong that God has provided for those who have his spirit dwelling in their hearts. And, you know, God calls us to bump up against one another, iron sharpens iron. If I'm living in my own little Christian bubble, 
And I, I speak at a ton of homeschool conferences, and I meet homeschool moms all the time, and oftentimes they'll say, you know what, I just don't have time to be involved in a church. I just, you know, my kids are my ministry, and everything I do is around my kids. And, you know, I don't have any girlfriends. You know, people, ha-ha, a woman just said this to me, something to the effect that people question why our kids aren't socialized. Our kids are socialized fine. It's me as a homeschool mom that's not socialized, ha-ha. And it's funny tongue-in-cheek, but, but really it's not yeah. because we – what we do then is we turn to our kids to be our best friends. And as a pastor's wife, I minister to a ton of ministry wives that I absolutely adore. There's a um, Southern Baptist Convention has a minister's wives conference that I go to every year and never, ever miss it. And I used to go as a young pastor's wife, and I looked for ministry wives that loved the ministry. Now I go because I love the ministry, and I want to speak truth into those young lives and say, hey, don't make it you and me against the church with your kids, because that's when we raise PKs that are not okay. And if you're mm-hmm. a pastor's wife, PKs can be okay. I actually have an ebook called I Sleep with the Pastor. It's a 52-week mm-hmm. devotional for minister's wives, and you can get it on my website, noregretswoman.com. But I want to give pastor's wives this courage to say, I want to fall in love with Jesus and fall in love with his people. And oftentimes they look at them kind of as the mistress of our husband because our husband is so busy with his ministry and, and, and forsaking his time with us. And that little root of bitterness starts in. And, you know, the Bible says any root of bitterness, any resentment defiles many. And that means it'll defile your marriage, it'll defile your parenting. And you can't, you know, you cannot ignore that message that the bitterness will defile you. Because, you know, the, the Bible says that those who, reap the, those who sow the wind will reap the whirlwind. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. You will reap what you sow. And if you're sowing roots of bitterness in your kids towards the church, towards the people that let you down, whether you're a pastor's wife or maybe you just went to a church and, you know, you asked someone to be your mentor and they said no or they ignored you and you said, I'm not going to go anymore, um, you are, are creating an unhealthy environment for your kids. Because God created us to be a part of the local church to, as we get bumped, you know, sparks fly. And then what, what I realize is what's inside of me. When I get bumped, with the ugliness that comes out, I can lie to myself until I get bumped. And then I'm like, ooh, I didn't realize I was having that thought. So living in a genuine, real way in our marriages, in front of our kids, in the Christian community is the way that we're going to draw our kids to want to be a part of the Christian community. And there's a thing called emotional incest. And let me just tell you, be careful that you're not dumping on your kids telling your, your kids things that you should be talking to your husband about or finding a girlfriend. I know when my mom was 17, my mom was 17 when she had me, and so she was, I was her second child, and I remember when she was having marriage trouble, and I was 17 years old, and I'm like, Mom, you need to change this, this, and this. And she said, will you help me? And I said, Mom, no, I can't. Find a friend. I am not the one that can help you have a better marriage. Don't put that on yeah. me. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, so true. You you do see that so many times that women, you know, they, they do, they're not going to the right, and it's not healthy. Right. Um, I was going to ask you, um, you know, you raise kids that obviously as a PK and that love the Lord. Um, and it, that is the challenge. And I don't care if you're, you know, if you're a pastor's wife or, a, or, you know, official pastoring, or if you're just in the church, it's like, how do we, how do we live a life that our kids see the authenticity that we're the same person that when we step inside the church doors that we are, when we step inside our own homes and really show them, 
um, that that's what it looks like. It's there's there's consistency there, um, and I think that's the key to everything. And just really living an authentic life and not being one person with one group and one another group. Because our kids are always watching, and other people are watching what we do with that too. Well, this is we've been talking about you know living no regrets and about having healthy marriages. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to continue our conversation with Rhonda Stock. We'll be right back. This is Girlfriend on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on GirlfriendIt.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend It. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriend It Radio right after these. We were thriving in a youth ministry when God clearly called us out of our Bible Belt comfort zone to plant a church in California. Stadia's 90-plus percent success rate gave us all the confidence we needed. They also cared for us through amazing support networks to encourage us like Bloom, a one-of-a-kind ministry for planters' wives. It's here I find deep friendships with like-minded gals who want to change lives. Stadia plants churches that intentionally care for children. We won't stop until every child has a church. For more information, go to stadia.cc. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. Spring and summer are great times to go green. Choosing to eat green vegetables and fruit on a daily basis is a fantastic idea. Whether it's asparagus, lettuce, spinach, or artichokes, green produce is a wonderful choice full of essential nutrients. Green beans, broccoli, edamame, and avocados are delicious and very nutritious. Cucumbers, peas, and peppers contain lutein which helps protect against cataracts and macular degeneration. Green fruits like grapes and kiwi not only taste delicious, they're full of antioxidants. Leafy greens are also excellent sources of folate, a B vitamin that helps reduce the risk of birth defects and helps keep our hearts healthy. So next time you're grocery shopping, choose fresh green vegetables and fruit and go green. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio, a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Well, we are back with the No Regrets woman, Rhonda Stop, and with more than 20 years of experience as a marriage mentor, pastor's wife, author, and speaker, Rhonda leads women of all ages to live the lives of no regrets. And her recent book, If My Husband Would Change, I'd Be Happy, and Other Myths Wives Believe, which I would run and go out and get this book. And Rhonda, I love how you mentioned that there's also a quiet time or devotion at the end, because I think it's so 
important as you're reading. So many times we go read something, but we don't go apply it. We don't actually do <laughs> what the book says, and especially what you're encouraging as as women to um, not only get the book, but also uh, really start praying about mentoring someone. And I love how you said, no matter what age you are, there's always someone that's going to be younger than you. Because so many times we think that, oh, I need to get a little bit more wisdom under my belt, or I need to be able to have these other experiences before. Before I can ever mentor anyone. And I will say, Lisa, I think you challenged both Rhonda and I when you made that comment about uh, your daughter, Amy, going through that. Because I remember when that happened and I was mortified when that happened for Amy. And yet I cringed because you told that story. And I can think of a few people that have come to me since and asked about mentoring. And I kind of stumbled through excuses as to why I didn't have time to do that. And so a, a couple of tips here. So we're sorry. We're sorry. If you're listening, we're sorry. <laughs> but I, well, you know what? And it's not meant to be a deal because I don't think we have to mentor everybody that asks us. And Patty, I'm going to come to your defense. You are mentoring young gals right now. So it's like there's a certain point where, you know, and I don't, I think you can tell people that maybe not a good time or give them some, I, I think there's ways to get around this. This was a unique circumstance that was done. So I, 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 I am absolving you from your guilt, you guys. <laughs> okay. So I, I thank you for that, for giving me permission to not feel guilty. But I will say, I think you need to have a, like, be ready for that conversation when someone yeah. comes to you rather than, you know, I, I've stumbled through it. Like, oh, well, I, I really don't have time for that right now. This, you're, you're, you're kind of wounding them rather than saying, this is, and, and I, I love what you said, Rhonda, about, you know, giving people homework because mm -hmm. you can specifically and just be concise in your message to say, right now I'm dealing with, you know, 13 girls and I'm mentoring and I believe that you really can only do it well by having two, so I wouldn't do a good job. And I, I love that you're excited about getting someone to mentor you, so I really would encourage you to do that. And maybe have another person in your mind that you can lead them in that direction. Or say, but you know what, right now while you're praying about someone mentoring you, read this book. You know, if my husband would change, I'd be happy. Or read this book. Or, you know, give them a book to help them mentor rather than just kind of walking away going, oh, I'm running from that. I'm too busy. <laughs> oh. and, and that's great. I, you know, that's, as a pastor's wife, that's where I begin is I usually will say I teach a Sunday school class. I teach a ladies Bible study. I want you to come to one of those. And if you come to one of those and you come consistently, then the next step will be we can meet afterwards and talk a little bit. Because a lot of times you want the people that are going to be serious about what they're yes, applying yes. to their lives. And I think I just went over Chapter 4 in If My Husband in My Sunday School class last week. And one of the quotes in the book says, you know, too many people read really great books about how to transform your marriage, but they don't apply any of it. They don't adjust their life to that. So that's where if you're, you know, I started doing book clubs a long time ago because I would say to a woman, have you read, you know, Ken Sandy's The Peacemaker if you're dealing with stress, you know, issues with not having having peace? Or have you read Idols of the Heart by Elise Fitzpatrick? No, 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 I'm not a reader. So I started a book club. And I would invite these women, okay, well, let's all read together. And then it keeps them reading. And then it keeps them, you know, as they come together as a group, it, it keeps them discussing. And then I watch and see, oh, that woman would be a good mentor for that woman because they're connecting right here across my table. So it gives us a, 
another resource for those that are in leadership because we can't mentor every single person. I, I know one of the women in our church just posted something about wanting to have a mom mentor her, and it was, I'm going to cry. I love our church. First Baptist Church of Patterson, shout out, love them. And a ton of young women got I'm crying. I'm, okay, I'm menopausal. Sorry, people. <laughs> <laughs> And I watched these younger women get on and say, hey, have you read, you know, Shepherding a Child's Heart? It's a great book. And, and hey, have you, you know, talked to so-and-so or whatever? And then an older woman stepped in and said, I'd love to meet with you. Well, I know that the older woman that stepped in is a woman whose all three sons went into the military, two into the Army and one into the Marines. And this woman who asked for a mentor has a new baby, but she also has a son that graduated high school and is going into the Army. And I couldn't have handpicked a better mentor. I can't speak truth into her life like this woman, Diane, who said, I'll meet with you. That's how it works. But we have to be willing to put ourselves out there. And if someone doesn't step up, Ask again. Look around. Ask the Lord to send someone to you. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. That that is such a a great tip to and and I hope if you're listening out there, you're actually writing this down, so you're not just listening, but you're really going to do you know and make this applicable. But I I have to back you up, Rhonda. Um, I I can't move forward because my mind sometimes I get this like block when I hear a certain word. <laughs> you, you you use the comment way back. Emotional incest, and I don't know if I like the shock value of that word or why I I couldn't get beyond that. But I think it's the shock value. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so stealing that word now. I I would say creative swiping that word because uh, I I like it. But I I hashtag emotional incest. Yeah, so I, I heard you say it, and then you gave the example, and I'm like, oh, no, she's talking about me. I think she heard my conversation last night with both of my daughters. So uh, <laughs> I want to go back to that emotional incest because I, I do think that we live in a culture right now where we we have this, okay, they're my best friend. And with being my best friend, especially for me, an extrovert, and I process everything out loud. So if something's going on, you're just processing it with them and they shouldn't necessarily hear all the inside scoops. So I I would like to, uh, what are some other tips on basically like putting a delete button on your mouth? Well, I think, (laughs) let me just wrap my mind around that question. (laughs) I love, I love that Patty asked this. So I'm leaning in because go for it. (laughs) You know, I think first of all, if we've been doing that to our kids, we need to go back to them and ask them to forgive us. I think that the Christian life is lived out by us walking forward, doing things we wish we wouldn't have done, making mistakes. Let's call the word sin when we sin. And then realizing God's shown us something that we're doing that is not healthy for our family, that is a sin against our husband if we're gossiping behind his back. Gossip is gossip no matter who you're talking about or who you're talking to. So if you're gossiping about your husband because he won't put those dirty socks in the hamper, to your children, you are undermining your child's security. You are telling your kids there's something wrong between my parents, and that causes them to feel insecure. So it's going back to your children and saying, hey, I realized I'm doing something. I'm dumping on you things that I should be talking to your father about. Uh, For single moms, and I have a heart for single moms, it's harder because the kids are in your home and there's no there's no husband at night. In fact, the, the book Moms Raising Sons to Be Men, I have a lot of single moms that will say to me, I love curling up with your book at night after I put my kids to bed because other women get to talk to their husbands and bounce ideas off of them or get insights. Mm-hmm. I love that I get to hang out with you 
and hear from you some of the ways that I can guide my son towards a no-regrets life. And Moms Raising Sons to Be Men is really a mom book. My, my publisher, Harvest House, wanted a mom of sons book, but I raised two sons and two daughters, and they're all incredible. Um, but the book will just guide you in things. But anyway, back to the, the idea is going to your kids and saying, I – I've been dumping on you, and that's not right, and that's not fair of me, and I need to ask you to forgive me, and I'm going to try real hard not to do that anymore. So if I do, um, you know, maybe you can point it out to me, or, you know, maybe I'm just going to ask the Holy Spirit to, to remind me. I know for myself, I was a gossip, and I was raised in a Christian bubble, and I want to go back way back to the beginning of this conversation um, when you were saying, uh, if you're not falling in love with Jesus, then everything else isn't going to work, and, and people are like, yeah, 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 I know I should do that, but I'm not. And I remember being that person that was not in love with Jesus. I would say I loved him, but I would meet people that straight up loved Jesus. And once in a while, they weren't very often in the Christian community. They were all, you know, good people doing good things. But every once in a while, I would meet a passionate Christ follower, and there would be a prick at my heart that would say, that's what I have for you. That's what I want for you. And I remember when I finally came to the end of myself, I was sick of myself, sick of, you know, measuring my, am I doing enough or whatever, and it wasn't that I wasn't a believer, I just was being more pharisaical in my following of Christ, and when I finally came to the end of that and said, I don't know how to love you like that, but the Word says, you have not because you ask not, and the Word says that if I ask anything in your name that you will do it, and I know it is according to your will, God, that I fall in love with you like that, and I don't know how. So I'm asking you, by the power of your Spirit in me, to cause me to long for you, to ache to love Jesus with all of my heart, and show me how. Surround me with people who love you like that, and teach me how to be in love with Jesus. And so a lot of people, I'm sure, that are listening heard that comment, you know, if you're not doing that, and they're going, I don't know how, or I want to, but it's not working. It's coming back to saying, I don't want to be finding my worth in my relationship with my kids or my husband. I want to find the lover of my soul that will, will complete me. I think the worst movie line ever is, you complete me. <laughs> like, don't put that on anybody, please. <laughs> so the key to loving your husband well and even loving your children well is not by how much they measure up to your expectations or fill that void in you, but it's really in how well we love God. That's the secret. That's the key. If you leave this program and don't get anything else out of it, that's the most important thing. And when you want to find a mentor, find someone who's not perfect but who straight up loves Jesus. And that's the first step toward freedom from emotional incest with your children or seeking for your husband to help, help you find your worth. Mm-hmm. And also I would say, you know, to those women who have never mentored or, or been a part of somebody's life and feel inadequate in doing that, that that's a great place to start. Just be you. And the things that you have learned, your life has mattered. God has worked in your life. And as you pursue Christ, he will, he will give you the words. He will help you in just connecting with another woman and bringing them along and, and learning together. I think, you know, whenever you have other people in your life, you learn from them and they learn from you. And it, it may be different, but you both are giving to each other. And so um, I think there's a lot of women feeling inadequate to mentor out there. And, and so they, they don't do uh, you know, anything, because they don't want to have any regrets, right? And, we don't, and that being vulnerable is, is kind of a scary thing. But and I think um, of the scripture every woman that Paul, has a story, and every Paul, woman, I say, you know, the, I'm sorry, the scripture that Paul says, my adequacy comes from the Lord, and we have to remember absolutely. that. 
Absolutely. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to be right back with Rhonda Stop. This is Girlfriend on Togginet. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on GirlfriendIt.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend It. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriend It Radio right after these. My husband and I have always wanted to plant a new church. After 10 years, God finally affirmed that in us. We thought we were on our own. We never imagined that there was an organization that could partner with us. That's when we got connected with Stadia. They have incredible systems in place to support our family, including a network designed specifically for me, the spouse of a church planner. We could have never done it without Stadia. Stadia plants churches that intentionally care for children. We won't stop until every child has a church. For more information, go to stadia.cc. It's marching down the road. And you wiggle your ears. Studies suggest that only 10 to 20% of humans are able to wiggle their ears. That's pretty ostrobogulous. Ostrobogulous is another word for bizarre or unusual. Of course, many animals have the ability to independently turn their ears in the direction of a sound by using their auricular muscles. In humans, ear wiggling is thought to be more of a vestigial feature, meaning it was once a useful trait of our ancient ancestors, but not needed anymore. Some people can't stop wiggling their ears. This rare moving ear syndrome is known as dyskinesia. This can be a pretty embarrassing condition, especially if you are macrotus or have big ears. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio, a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Okay, we are so excited that we've been having all kinds of tips uh, from Rhonda Stop, who is the author of her new book, If My Husband Would Change, I'd Be Happy, and Other Myths Wives Believe. Well, Rhonda, you have been on several radio programs. You've spoken at women events and mops groups. Uh, also, you do homeschool conventions around the nation. And there's there's a term that you use that might ruffle some feathers, uh, unconditional respect for your husband. So I just want to make sure that we talk a little bit about that. We, we've... Uh, Got, gone off the trail and we, we've been talking about mentoring and uh, just kind of getting back on actually um, in that I'd be happy if I could just change my husband uh, phase. So what exactly does that mean when you're saying <coughs> unconditional respect for your husband? I'm going to read a quote from the book. Just as deeply as a wife longs to be loved without condition, husbands desire to receive unconditional respect from their lives. It is God who made us with these unique longings. And when women, we, women, we tend to nurture and mother the people that we care about. 
Your husband doesn't need a mom. He needs a wife who loves him, believes in him, and relies on him and celebrates his accomplishments. One of the love stories that I tell in If My Husband is Michael and David. And, you know, David, when he finally became king, it was 17 years after he was first anointed king as that young shepherd boy. And all of the stuff that happened in his life that brought him to where he finally was king and he was dancing in the streets of Jerusalem. And he ripped off his clothes down to his loincloth, and he danced with all his might, is what the Bible says in Second Samuel. And where was his wife, Michael? She wasn't dancing alongside of him. She was watching out the window. And then he went and he made a sacrifice to the Lord. And where was Michael? She was not with him making a sacrifice and celebrating at that feast with her husband. Where was she? She was at home formulating her argument. And the Bible says that Samuel walks in the door, quote, to bless his household. He walks in the door and he's like, hey, baby, your king is home. Come and kiss me. That's totally my quote. Um, <laughs> can you imagine if women wrote the Bible, the things that we would have put in? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and she shows up. And how many of us have done this? Before our husbands walk in the door, we know exactly what we're going to blast them with. Mm-hmm. And he walks in and she meets him at the door and she's like, Basically, how glorious was the king who was dancing in his underwear in front of all the women today? And she pulls the rug out from under him, and he's like, it was before the Lord that I danced, who chose me over your father. And I love he says this, and I will become even more undignified than this. Like, you're embarrassed now? You just wait, girlfriend. And I love that story because if we really pick it apart, we can relate to that story. Our husband, may, you know, maybe he is in sales and he makes a final sale, or my husband used to build houses and he gets that roof on before the rains or whatever, and he walks in the door ready to bless his household. And what do we do? We shove a baby in their face and we say, you know what, I just need five minutes without anyone touching my skin. And you forgot to take the garbage out and the diapers are piling up. I had to do it. When was the last time you mowed the lawn? The neighbors must think you're so lazy. And we deflate them. And they walk in. No wonder husbands just walk in and grab the remote because they come home to bless their household, and we blast them. We've had a hard day, but we don't, quote, respect them when they walk in the door. We don't honor them for what they do to provide for us. And our disrespect drives our husbands away from us rather than draws them toward us. My husband and I, this is a quote from If My Husband have watched failing marriages be turned around when a wife determines to obey God's mandate to show her husband unconditional respect. Mm. All right. I I was actually writing all that that down, Rhonda. Those are some great tips. And and I also want to, because just because we're short on time, I feel like we're just kind of blasting you with these questions. But moving from that and segueing into your husband comes home, he's grabbing the remote. When we get into the intimacy of a marriage, and you just like you said, especially as a mom, you're going, you know what? I don't want anyone to touch me. I don't want anyone to need my boobies. I don't want anybody to, you know, you're just like, I want my space. So share with us a little bit about how do you get your mindset in and for that? Because as we know, as women, you hear that over and over again, that that's just not a priority. You know, being intimate with my husband is not a priority. And as we know, it should be. And you're right. And I meet women all the time. They're like, I'm just not that into it. I'm just, you know, just not that into sex. And before, because I know we don't have a lot of time to talk about this, but 
on Chapter 7 in the book, which is called All He Wants is Sex When You Long for Romance. And I kid you not, at my conferences, men will walk by my booth, pick up my book. They chuckle first when they see the title. And there's a little princess and the frog on the front of it, so it's tongue-in-cheek. If my husband would change, I'd be happy. And they know oh, thank God, someone is telling her I am not the source of her happiness. And they thumb through the book, and they get to Chapter 7. It happens every time. They land there for a couple minutes, and then they walk up to me, and they go, I'll take it, and they buy the book every time. <laughs> and I also have written a companion ebook that goes along with it, and it's called um, A Christian Woman's Guide to Great Sex in Marriage. And again, that's on my website, noregretswoman.com, because some women want more insights into how to enjoy the marriage bed. Uh, and it's a short ebook, but it's powerful. And my husband, Steve, wrote from a husband's perspective at the end of each chapter of the book. And one of the things that he says, and I, I would love to read his quote, when a husband knows his wife de- desires him sexually, it gives him a special sense of empowerment. This does not mean conquering his woman, nor is it arrogance. Rather, it is a quiet confidence that comes over a man when he believes his wife actually wants to make love to him. When my wife puts her needs above her own and puts my needs above her own through lovemaking, her selflessness empowers me to be effective for God's kingdom. And you may be delighted to find your husband is energized to accomplish whatever God is calling him to do as well. Now listen to this, ladies. In my experience as a pastor and biblical counselor, Husbands who are sexually satisfied at home are deeply in love with their wives. And you're right. It's a huge thing to say, oh, my goodness, if one more person touches my skin, I am going to climb out of it when your husband walks in the door. And here's the thing. We get to teach them what romance means to us. And the Bible says our husbands are to live with us according to knowledge. We don't even know who we are every 28 days. How do they know? But we have this opportunity to coach them for the rest of their life what speaks romance to me. When Steve and I were dating, he'd bring me some flowers or chocolate, and I'm like, oh, baby, I'm yours. You know, you got a couple kids hanging on you, and you're, you know, you're trying to up, up to your elbows in dishes, trying to get dinner done. And your husband walks in with some Gerber daisies and puts them on the counter and goes and sits down and grabs the remote and kind of winks at you like, hey, what's going to happen later, babe? And you're thinking, I'm going to beat him up with those Gerber daisies. <laughs> Instead of saying, okay, I need to coach this dude, he doesn't realize that doesn't work anymore. Honey, this is what speaks romance to me now. I, I got my mama hat on. I need to have, you know, 10 minutes in the bedroom, in the bathroom. Let me take a shower, a bubble bath. Let me put my sexy mama hat on. Make all this chaos go away. I don't care if you feed the kids cereal for dinner. I don't care if they get a bath before they go to bed. And that, those of you that micromanage just cringed, I know that. But say, you're, the way you woo me tonight is give me five minutes alone and let me get myself cleaned up and let me take off these yoga pants that I've been wearing all week and I will be yours in the bedroom. That speaks romance to me. But if we don't teach them, they don't know. They just go, she's not into it. I don't know why. <laughs> so true. That is so true. We have to be able to, to guide them into what it means. And like you said, it changes. What worked at one point, one season of life is different. In, in this season. And, and it really is about that respect, you know, for men. You're absolutely right. They want to feel respected by their woman. And yes. that does empower them. And just it's some simple things that if we really grasp. And, you know, it's just really interesting. I, I think for all of us, we're kind of at that stage, same age a little bit. Um, we didn't have all these books and all these resources when we were first getting married um, and didn't really know. We did rely on people speaking into our lives. Um, and there weren't a lot. And so it's like, you know, just how do we start teaching and pouring in and, and just we sometimes we need to relearn some things, you know, um, that maybe we 
or we picked up, you know, some habits along the way. And so I think we need to constantly be learners of ourselves and of our husbands um, in the journey of, of marriage. So um, some great tips. Well, okay, Rhonda, we just have just a few minutes before we have to say goodbye. And again, Patty and I are so grateful that, you know, just you speaking in your words of wisdom, just golden nuggets flowing. Um, we appreciate you taking the time. And so if there's, what would you like to leave with our listeners that, you know, just to encourage them? And then how do they connect with you? I know no regrets um, Just, you know, what do you want to leave with us? One of my favorite love stories in If My Husband Would Change, I'd Be Happy, at a pastor's wife conference that I went to, and I looked for these women to mentor me that loved their husbands and loved being in the ministry. And I found this woman named Vi. And Vi is, is several, a uh, few decades older than me, but she is, an amazing woman who just loved her husband. And the story that I tell about Vi and her husband, Kurt, is that they had met in college, and they met at Cal Baptist University, and she said she played the piano and he was going into ministry, so she wasn't sure if he married her for love or because he needed a pianist, but she's a sweet <laughs> little funny thing. Yeah. So they were married for 45 years, and then Kurt was diagnosed with cancer. A long story, but, but Vi said on the last day of Kurt's life, she was sitting next to him in a chair, and he opened his eyes, and he said, Vi, am I dying? And Vi looked at him, and she said, yes, dear, you're dying. And then in this sweet spirit that Vi had, she mustered up, and she said, but Kurt, you're going to see Jesus today. What's the first thing you want to tell Jesus today when you see him? And Vi said that Kurt closed his eyes for a minute, and then he got a big smile on his face, and he looked at her, and he said, I'm going to thank him for giving me you. And I love that story because that's what we want to hear from our husbands, that at the end of their lives, they're saying, you were the greatest treasure God gave me. And, and I think that when I tell that story, I see women cry all over the room because we know the wife we meant to be, and we know the wife we really are, and we don't know how to get there. And that's why I wrote, If My Husband Would Change, I'd Be Happy. It is practical resources. It's easy to read. It's fun. You'll cry. You'll laugh. I did all the way through it. You'll learn from insights from my husband. And you can find it. It's at Amazon, Folks on the Family, ChristianBook.com. But you can go to my website for any of those links, NoRegretsWoman.com. All of my books are there. Wow. That's a, that's a lot. <laughs> you've, been, you've been busy. And, you know, it's so – women are just looking for people just to speak truth into their lives and guide them from parenting and, and marriage. And, you know, we just have one minute um, – what has been one of the greatest influences on you in your marriage? The greatest influence has been the older women that have spoken truth into my life, and not a list of how to be a better wife or to be a better mom or a better Christian. These women invited me to a Bible study, and it was actually a precept Bible study. Five hours of homework a week. I'm like, oh, girls, you missed my point. I need help being a better wife and mom. <laughs> but it is the Word of God when it dwells in you richly. When you, you know, Jesus' story, the, the man that built his house on the rock and the man that built his house upon the sand, and when the storms came, the house on the sand crumbled. The Word of God the relationship with Jesus and the Word of God is our foundation. There's no way around it. We cannot build a solid marriage or family on anything unless it's grounded in God's Word and surrounding ourselves with women that have their eyes set on eternity, that love the Word of God like that, that love Christ for all their worth. That's what Rhonda, we're still over. Rhonda, we're going to have to stop. Those are, that's a great starting line. Thank you so much for your words of wisdom. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to Girlfriend at Radio. Thanks. I loved it. Thank you for being a part of this special program, Girlfriended, the show dedicated to the most important woman you know. 
yourself. It's the show 